Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. If you've been following the Winter Olympics, you've probably seen Canada's women's hockey team play. They've won every game so far, often by huge margins like 12 to 1 or 11 to 0. So it's no wonder that our team is now playing for gold against the U.S. The big game will air Wednesday night in Canada. And though it might be a bit late to stay up and watch, when these two teams meet, the hockey is always exciting. The last time they faced off in the Olympics in 2018, the U.S. took the gold. So this time, Canada's looking to win it back. This is one of the greatest rivalries in sport. There isn't any debate about that anymore. Um, It is so evenly contested. It is so heated. There's such history there. It's steeped with so much emotion. Globe sports reporter Rachel Brady is in Beijing covering the Olympics. She'll tell us about Team Canada's strengths, how women's hockey has grown, and who she thinks is going to walk away with gold. This is The Decibel. Rachel, thank you for being on the show. It's great to have you back. Well, thank you for having me from Beijing. So you've been watching lots of Canadian athletes over there, but you've been watching the the women's hockey team in particular, um, and they've been pretty dominant and uh, undefeated this entire run so far. What's it been like to be there in person watching them play? Yeah, this seems to be uh, a very special, talented uh, collection of Canadian female hockey players. They have scored 54 goals uh, through six games. So if the records are in, in indication, uh, this is the hottest scoring team the Women's Olympic Tournament has seen. At this point, they have eight of the top 10 point getters in the entire tournament. So eight of the 10 <laughs> come from Team Canada. Um, they've had 15 different scorers. Um, so they are putting the puck in the net any which way. They are pressuring teams. They are suffocating teams with their speed. Um, it's just an entirely different sort of style from Canada. Um, hmm. They are really playing sort of a positionalist hockey where they've got defenders crashing the net. Um, they are just pressure, pressure, pressure all the time. So it's a really definite high speed, um, high caliber level of hockey coming from Canada. Hmm. Wow. And this is, again, it's a different Olympics because there's no real people in the stands. There's, you know, there's a smattering of people around there. There's there's some reporters like yourself. So how has that, I guess, changed the dynamic of being in these in these games? Yeah, in fact, there's, you know, a a few hundred people, um, local fans, uh, usually in most cases, and and many of them maybe are seeing hockey for the first time. So it's definitely a different audience. Um, It's not loud and rowdy like you would expect a Canadian hockey game to be. Certainly uh, inside Canada is what we're used to seeing. And the one thing that really struck me when I watched Canada versus U.S. in the the preliminary round, and of course that always has such a fiery flair to that game, is – it is such a shame that people aren't seeing this live because this matchup is really meant to be seen and appreciated live and up close. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've actually been to one of the gold medal hockey games back in Vancouver in 2010. Good My one. sister and I went to the the women's, uh, yeah, the gold medal game. It was fantastic. And I know what you mean, like the energy in there was, it was crazy. It was amazing. Who are some of the people that, that we should be watching out for playing on this team? 
Yeah, on the Canadian team. Well, certainly everybody knows the name Mary Philippe Poulain. Um, they know her as, yeah. you know, Captain Clutch, and she has been every bit as billed in these playoffs. She scored a couple of goals in the semifinal game, which were just among, you know, some of the most beautiful. Just this gorgeous sweeping backhand over the Swiss uh, goaltender that was just signature Mary Philippe Poulain creativity. Um, even some of her own teammates were saying, We see her every day. We train with her. We've known her for years. And we still shake our heads at, you know, some of the skill level. Um, One of the people that maybe Canadians are sort of getting to see, Canadians who don't watch the team very often, um, are getting to see sort of for the first time in these games is Sarah Fillier, number two scorer, goal scorer in the entire tournament, uh, just a young player. She's a player who guns for the net right at the beginning of the game and can, can kind of break the back of the opponent by scoring super early in the game. That's kind of become one of her signature things. And uh, she just shows that she belongs here and she is among the very best in the world. And then top scoring, Brienne Jenner, always, you know, a veteran of the team, mm-hmm. big sniping goal scorer, beautiful slap shot goal uh, in the semifinal, always reliable. And she's got nine goals in this tournament <laughs> through six games. So um, pretty special Ooh. player as well. Okay. So it's, it's a good yeah. group, as you might imagine. So let's talk about the U.S. and the Canadian teams, because they are going to be meeting in the gold medal final um, on, on Thursday in Beijing, which is late night Wednesday in Canada. And this is a this is a common gold medal matchup for women's hockey. These two teams meet frequently uh, in, in that game. The last time was in 2018 at the uh, Pyeongchang Olympics. What happened in, in that gold medal game? They're always close, right? Those games are always close and somebody uh, always walks away literally in tears. Uh, There are a lot of tears at the end of that game on one side and a lot of um, just, you know, exalted cheering on the other side. Obviously, this is one of the greatest rivalries in sport. There there isn't any debate about that anymore. Um, It is so evenly contested. It is so heated. There's such history there. It's steeped uh, (laughs) with so much emotion uh, in that game. And the first round uh, between them and the preliminary round, the U.S. came at them with all kinds of firepower at the beginning, and, and Canada's goaltender held them in on that one. During this Olympics, right? So the yeah. first time they met. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the first time they met this time. So, But you could see, I think there's always um, a sense of, this is what happened last time, right? Canada had a really hard time swallowing the fact that they lost that game in 2018. Mm-hmm. Mary-Philippe Poulin commenting on it this week, like, I needed to take some time off, actually, to to get over that. So how has the women's U.S. team been playing overall, I guess, this time? Like, what are their strengths? And then if we can compare them to Canada's, um, just to give us a sense, really, of of where these teams are going to meet. Yeah, their strengths have definitely been in uh, creating offensive opportunities. So they certainly have had their share of shots on net. Um, They have been challenged a little bit more than Canada has in terms of the score. The U.S. had a a close game that was close for large amounts of time against the Czechs and then against in the semifinal against Finland. So one could argue that the U.S. has actually faced a little bit more pressure um, one could argue that the, the U.S. has been weathered a little bit more um, and might be a little bit more hardened for this game. But Canada's always ready for anything and they seem to be, uh, you know, solely focused on taking uh, the U.S. down and uh, getting that medal back.
Okay, let's look at, I guess, kind of bigger picture with with women's hockey here, Rachel, because again, as you said, you've covered women's hockey, the Olympics for a while since Nagano in, in, in 98. That was when women's Olympic hockey made its debut. What was the state of the game then on a global level, I guess? And, and how has it evolved over time? Like the number, the sheer number of players um, to start at the grassroots level of girls playing hockey in Canada, certainly uh, girls hockey has been one of the highest growth areas in the sport. Women's hockey at the Olympics, um, you know, the inclusion in the Olympics has really given legitimacy to it and helped to grow it over the years. So, but it's it's had its challenges. It really, really has. Um, they had the Canadian Women's Hockey League fold in 2019, which was devastating for a group of women who were not making a lot of money off that league, but it was a place to showcase their talent and it was a place for them to play after university. Bringing a women's pro league together is just a constant point of conversation of how do you put these women on people's televisions more often? How do you um, put them in arenas and sell tickets for people to see them more often? Mm-hmm. And it's just become a constant uh, <laughs> talking point. And um, this would have been the time. Um, this would have been yeah. the time to have them coast right out of um, the Beijing Olympics and into a, a really organized, sustainable women's league. So I guess outside of the Olympics, like when the Olympics are over, where do most of these players play hockey and how often do they play hockey? Can well, you go precisely. see them play? No, no, you can't. Uh, not, at, not at this moment. Um, there's a, a league in the U.S. that has players in it called the Premier Hockey Federation, formerly the National Women's Hockey League. Um, and so that has teams mostly in the U.S., one in Toronto. Um, and then this other group that I was mentioning, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, it's these women. And, and it's more of a tour, right? It's more of a, a tour and they they pop up here and there. So you're seeing them. And then many of these players, of course, play university hockey in the United States mm-hmm. and some of them in, at Canadian universities. So they're not all together in one place where you can go and see them. Um, so certainly... Uh, yeah, people are left looking and the, mm-hmm. their attention is short after the games and they would like to see, you know, they're, they're only going to look so far for them to go find them. So it's a shame that there isn't a place where instantly you can look them up and say, where's the schedule? Where can I buy season tickets? Uh, and at this yeah. moment, you can't do that. I mean, this sounds like the, it's not really a full time job for people then. Like, is this something that these players can actually sustain as I guess? I guess the question is, like, do they have to work other jobs in order to sustain their sport? Well, most, most of Canada and the U.S. players are, are carded athletes, right? So they're carded athletes like Olympians are. Uh, so they, they receive money from within Canada to train. Um, but it's no, it's not a livable wage. You're not making, you know, what even a, a woman would make in, you know, in other professional sports like a tennis player or a golf player. Like you're not mm-hmm. you're not making what a professional golfer would make or a, or a woman on a professional tennis tour. So we're a long ways off from that. And that's what women have been fighting for. Can we talk about, I guess, the broader state of women's hockey as well? So hockey in in other countries, like what would help them develop teams that are fairly competitive at this Olympic level that would challenge Canada and and the U.S.? Yeah, well, you know, I I talked to a couple of Swiss players at length this week. I talked to players from from many of the other teams this week, but two conversations really stood out for me. Two women from the Swiss national team who have done everything you could have expected of them. They've come to the they've they actually went to um, 
the U.S. They got scholarships to play in the U.S. That's how good they are. They developed in there. They've been playing with Canadian and uh, American players. Like they're really, really good players. And the difference is Canada and the U.S. centralized and trained together for six months before coming here. Like some of these other teams were together for like a number of days. These two things are not equal. If you want to keep up with Canada and the U.S., you're just going to have to put more time and money and resources into developing players. I mean, it's it's that simple. The situation with, with North American dominance essentially here, um, it brings up this argument that we see kind of repeated sometimes uh, when the Winter Olympics come around about how maybe women's hockey should not be an Olympic sport because it's really only competitive between the U.S. and Canada. What are your thoughts on, on that argument, Rachel? Yeah, it's it comes up every games. You know, I can remember being in Vancouver and seeing this uh, seeing this argument like if they don't get better, they shouldn't be here anymore. And this this is a problem that shouldn't be put at the feet of Canada and the U.S., it's a tough one for them. Are they supposed to just take it easy on their opponents? Um, you want to see the best hockey, right? So should Canada not play their best hockey? You know, if people were to look all the way back into the history books of men's hockey, it's similar, really, um, mm-hmm. that there were dominant powers there too. And you have to let time pass and you have to let countries catch up. Um, and the NHL obviously make, makes a big difference. Look how international the NHL is, right? So if there was a professional women's league in North America where the best players from other countries could find their way over to play regularly, that would make a big difference. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like that would make such a difference that you would actually see these changes to this this bigger question then. In your mind and from your your research and your reporting that you've you've done, Rachel, is this a serious question of of not having women's hockey in the Olympics? Like is this something that's actually being considered or is this kind of a theoretical thing? No, I think this is something that people say and like to discuss because they they tune into a game and they see Canada wall up somebody 11 to nothing and they say well that wasn't entertaining that shouldn't even that team doesn't even belong in the Olympics or they feel sorry for someone who uh for a team that shows up and gets beat quite badly and says oh well that that can't be good for their for their program when in reality you know I ask a lot of these players as they were coming through the mix zone, uh, I spent a day at practice talking to a lot of the other teams. And what you hear so much is we're at the Olympic games. (laughs) This makes us better. It makes us better to be here. It makes us better to spend time on the ice with Canada. We wish we could be on the ice with them more. We can test ourselves against them. We can learn from them. They don't not want the opportunity. Okay. So looking ahead to this gold medal matchup in, in Beijing, which is Thursday, but Wednesday night in, in Canadian time. Mm. What can we expect at this game, Rachel? What what will you be watching for? I can't wait to see the scoring opportunities, really, to see, is Canada going to continue generating uh, the kind of offense from all angles that they have been? Um, what will the goal tending be like um, at both ends of the ice? Will the goalies have to stand on their heads? Will we see an overtime game? Um, I'm just really interested to see... Um, if what both teams have been able to do to their opponents throughout this tournament, if they're going to be able to do to one another. Okay, so because you've been following them so closely, Rachel, before I let you go, I do want to ask what your prediction is. So Mm. who do you think wins the gold medal here? And what do you think the final score of the game is going to be? I do think um, that Canada will win this one. Um, I would say it will be close again. um, I'm going to say... Maybe three to two for Canada. That would be my prediction. 
Okay, 3-2 Canada, okay. I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. We'll see. Rachel, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Before we go today, I have a favor to ask. We're still a new show, and if you've enjoyed listening, we'd love if you could help other people find us too by sharing the show with a friend or on social media, or leave us a rating on your podcast app. Thanks for your help. It means a lot to us. Okay, that's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.